Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 620. Trees and shrubs had caught fire and been doused by the rain. Most of the long planks the bandits had used for their fortifications had exploded into pieces no bigger than the tip of your finger or burned to charcoal. Streaking out from the base of the tree were great tracks of churned up earth, making the clearing look as if it had been plowed by a madman or raked by the claws of some huge beast. Despite this, we stayed at the bandits' camp for three days following our victory. The stream provided easy water, and what remained of the bandits' provisions were superior to our own. What's more, after we salvaged some lumber and canvas, each of us had the luxury of a tent or lean-to. With our job completed, the tensions plaguing our group faded. The rain stopped, and we didn't need to be bashful about our fires anymore and as a result, Martin's cough was improving. Dayton and Hespi were civil to each other, and Dayton stopped about three-quarters of his incessant jackassery towards me. But despite the relief at our job being done, things weren't entirely comfortable. There were no stories at night, and Martin distanced himself from me whenever he could. I could hardly blame him, considering what he had seen. With that in mind, I took the first chance I had to privately destroy the wax vomits I had made. I had no use for them now, and I feared what might happen if one of my companions discovered them in my travel sack. Tempe made no comment on what I'd done with the bandit's body, and from what I could tell, he didn't seem to hold it against me. Looking back, I realized how little I truly understood the Adem, but at the time, all I noticed was that Tempe spent less time helping me practice the Catan, and more time practicing our language, and discussing the ever-confusing concept of the Lathani. We fetched our equipment from our previous camp on the second day. I was relieved to have my loot back, and doubly glad to find Denna's marvelous case had stayed dry and tight, despite the endless rain. And since we were no longer slinking about, I played. For a solid day, I did little else. It had been nearly a month since I made any music, and I missed it more than you can imagine. At first I thought Tempe didn't care for my music. Aside from the fact that I'd somehow insulted him by singing early on, he always left camp when I brought out my loot. Then I began to catch glimpses of him watching me, though always from a distance and usually at least partly hidden from sight. Once I knew to look for him, I discovered he was always listening while I played, wide-eyed as an owl, motionless as a stone. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. What do you make of Tempe's reaction, not to the music, but to the his change, his apparent change in attitude toward teaching both the Keta? Well, I think that he's refocusing because he is now thinking about because Tempe later will will bring both to Adam, right? So maybe he's thinking about that now, like he's thinking about like the possibility of that in the future. So he's like, oh yeah, language probably more important right now. I wonder if i i'll be honest with you i frankly don't know what to make of it and i am eager for the book to tell me because i don't like having to think about these things for myself but i do wonder if he is teaching him about the lathani because he's thinking this guy has so much power and i just saw him use it in a way that was like definitely not of the lathani so i need to try and impress upon him the importance of always acting rightly so that he never does something like that again. But on the other hand, I'm also willing to countenance the idea that 
Tempe doesn't see anything wrong with what Foth did. He he won the battle in the most efficient way possible that like spared his companions, you know, any real pain or, or, uh, or difficulty. You know, he, he, it's like the equivalent of the American argument for dropping the bomb on, on Hiroshima, you know, like it saved American lives was their Russian, was the, the stated rationale. Uh, it ended the war more quickly. So I, you know, I can see, an argument to be made from from somebody's point of view that that's what Quoth did essentially. I didn't have this theory when I asked the question, but now that we've talked about it, I'm inclined to believe that Tempe is now less likely. He doesn't want to teach Quoth how to fight anymore, and I think I I think it's because of Jeremy's first assertion that he saw him wield great power in a way that was not of the Lothani, and therefore he's decided that it's more important to teach him about the Lathani and less important to teach him the Ketan, which is ultimately a martial art. I don't think yet that he's planning on inviting him to Edemra. I think that comes after the fact. Uh, that comes a bit later, and I think it's Quoth's idea. But I do think that there has been an attitude change. I do think that Tempe has been horrified, or at least is disappointed in the way Quoth handled the bandits, and so he's trying to... Um, change his tactic a little bit, although he's now, and again, I'm wondering why he's now a little bit more, I guess, well, actually talking myself into this, there was no music before, right? Like he knew that he had a lute and he probably played once or twice, but now quotes playing all the time. And so now Tempe can afford to like explore his relationship to music, which to him is a great, um, what's the word taboo. Yeah, a great taboo, a great embarrassment. It's like putting your dick out and waving it around. Yeah, I was going to say, in terms so. in terms of the way that Tempe behaves around Quoth's playing music, it would be like if you had, you're a teenage boy, you're attracted to, you know, whoever you're attracted to, let us say in this example, you're attracted to women, and you have a friend who's insanely hot, and she's a nudist, and she's just like walking around naked all the time. And you know that you should, it's not right, you shouldn't be like ogling her, but the the part of you that is all horn dog just can't you can't quite stop yourself and you you know you keep like sneaking peeks when you probably shouldn't be that is like a really great metaphor but also very funny <laughs> and much like a nude like and the nudist in this case probably wouldn't see like if she caught you looking she's a nudist like you know whatever yeah, she wouldn't care <laughs> and much in the way that like both like frankly both would probably like an appreciative audience because he hasn't played in months let alone played for people. So I'm sure that, you know, he would be like, he's fine with Tempe watching him, but Tempe doesn't feel that way. Right. Yeah. That's sort of a funny thing to think about. Mm -hmm. I, sorry, this is slightly off topic on topic back to our previous topic. I have a, a theory that sort of sits between my initial theory and Jeremy's theory. And that is that, uh, Tempe switches tack for what he's teaching quotes because he recognizes that uh, Quoth has like uh, he has like attack skills, so he doesn't need the Ketan as much as he needs the Lathani. But that is like the whole of it, rather than rather than it being because he did something that was not of the Lathani. So like instead of him, instead of Tempe teaching him the Lathani more because he thinks that. Both lacks it. It's simply just that he's focusing more on it because 
he sees that he doesn't need the K-10 as much as he might need right. like language in the Lothani. Yeah. So you're, like, you're, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I want to, I want to make sure that I understand you correctly. You're saying that like Tempe's not casting any kind of moral judgment on Quoth for what he did. He's Correct. just thinking in purely practical terms, this guy doesn't need to know how to fight. He can kill 17 guys with nothing but like his pocket knife. So exactly. I don't need to teach him how to fight, but I do need to teach him this like important set of like, you know, ways of thinking. Um, yes. And I think that tracks for me. I feel, I don't feel like Tempe is making a moral judgment on Quoth because if he was, why would he help him hide the body? Mm, right? Point. Like Tempe hides the mutilated body that Quoth used to perform his, his sympathy without Quoth, Quoth doesn't even know about it until he's woken up again. I feel like if Tempe felt the way that, that Martin does, he would not have hidden the body because he would want to be able to take, you know, show Dayton and Hespi like, look, this guy is bad news. But Tempe instead thinks these people don't need any more reason to be afraid of Quoth. They're already afraid of him. This will just make it worse. That won't do any anyone any good. I'm going to hide the body. Yes. Good, that is all. I really like the the long, um, evocative description of what state the bandit camp is in after the lightning strike. Like, it really drives home just how powerful and destructive. Like, this wasn't just, like, you know, a little bolt of lightning that, like, maybe, like, blackens a tree, right? It, like fully blew the tree up and set everything on around it on fire, exploded all the like shards of wood. Cause like we, we know that it was multiple lightning strikes, not just one. And that description of like the, the, the emanations coming out from where the bolt struck and like tearing up the earth. That does remind me of like photographs I've seen of the ground after a big lightning strike. And there's almost like an impression of the lightning, like forking out into the ground from where it hits. Interesting. I didn't realize lightning could do that. That's about all I got. Do we want to do a letter? Sure. This letter is from our magical friend, John, who writes on page 603. Hail. On page 603, Quoth comes face to face with the fact that on their mission, they will have to kill people. We know he's committed grievous bodily harm on people before. What if in book three, we have an Ender-like realization that he's actually killed several people who he hadn't given much consideration to? His attackers in the alley succumb to their wounds days after the attack, as an example. Perhaps that's why he has locked his powers in the thrice-locked chest. Yours, magically and somewhat cracked, John. I like it. I think it is that, you know, I feel like that realization might come part and parcel with a larger one about the harm he's wrought. I do feel like the arrow catch is going to come back into play, like the arrow catch will be converted into a, a horrible weapon of war. Uh, maybe he'll start to think about all the potential harm he's done when trying to be helpful. I don't know if he's ever going to like return to thoughts of the boy he burned, you know, although then again, he might like encounter a, a horribly burned beggar in a few years uh, and uh, think twice. But uh, I agree with you that he, he probably will become horrified at his own power and thus uh, in so doing lock his powers away in the box. I, on the other hand, think that everyone that Quoth has killed had it coming. We should do a cell block tango. <laughs> he had it coming. What was the what was the kid's name again that he burned? I oh, don't remember. I, yeah, neither do I. I'm sorry. Which probably does means he have a name? He does have a name because he's the guy who smashes his father's loot. 
I feel like is he it? had a name, but I, I do not remember what it is. Can't be that important. <laughs> hey, well, anyway, I'm, it's part of a bit. It's it's part of a bit. Um, the uh, man, I'm trying to do the cell block tangle, but with the name of the kid, the kid that he as one of the one of the sounds they do. You know, I'm trying to find the name of the Pate. You know, like whatever. God damn it! This would have been such a good bit, but I can't. I can't do it. Ah, I'm gonna have to like lock myself, sequester myself in my writing room, and like return with a fully fledged and your Garrett and mixed <laughs> your Garrett. Yeah, power. yeah. I'll sing all of the parts, and uh, I'll get backing vocals and everything, and I'll just like have a perfectly mixed version of this cell block tango. Well, listeners, you can look forward to Nick uh, dressed up and singing like Catherine Zeta Jones in Chicago. On tomorrow's page of They Had It Coming. They had it coming. The women they only had themselves to blame. If he hadn't smashed my father's loot, he wouldn't have come aflame. <laughs>